Hi, it's Kathy from Rocky Retirement, and I am here today with Nora Hall. She has such a great website, and she also has a book called Survive Your Husband's Retirement, and the website is SurviveYourHusband'sRetirement.com, and that fits just perfectly with what we do here on the Rocky Retirement Show, so we thought we would bring her on. So, Nora, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, I, I really appreciate your coming. And so tell me how you got started with writing this book and starting this blog. When my husband retired, both he and I were somewhat surprised by the change in our relationship. We hadn't expected it. We really hadn't anticipated anything about retirement, but it wasn't fun. And I started to wonder what was going on and determined that I was going to find a resolution. I started talking with other retired couples, and I learned that there were about five common circumstances that almost every couple experienced when they initiated their retirement. So I decided that we ought ought to know about that, because if we did, the transition into retirement could be a lot smoother. So I identified the five problems and started writing. Uh, I interviewed numerous, I lost count of the number of people that I interviewed, and started telling their stories and helping people find solutions on how they can make a smooth transition into their retirement and then ultimately into a wonderful, fabulous retirement life. So share the secret. What are those five things that we need to be aware of? Well, very often a husband is angry when he retires because for men, their identity is wrapped up in their work, more so than for women. Today, women are are struggling with retirement more than they did even 10 years ago, but there still seems to be more anger among men. Uh, A lot of women feel that the husband is suddenly always there because they were used to um, both of them or or one of them being gone most of the day. The uh, sometimes the um, the never do something husband that now that he's retired, he he doesn't know what to do with himself. And so these are the kinds of things that couples struggled with. They didn't expect it. They never experienced it when one or both of them were working. And suddenly the change of being together all the time has turned their relationship on ends, and they need to find some solutions. So you said that you interviewed numerous people. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find, were you a writer before? I did um freelance writing for small companies. So I was used to interviewing, I was used to taking information that individuals had had shared with me and putting it into the format that was needed. This was a little bit different format, but um, I had been doing that for some time. And I was very comfortable with with listening. I think that was the biggest thing, as I just loved to listen to what people had to say and then um, making a story of it. Well, that's great. So you interviewed all these people, and Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you found out how to deal with some of these issues? Well, first of all, the the always there husband, um, that one of the most important things that that I feel creates a, a... happy retirement is when a couple is willing to compromise. But in order to compromise, they have to first of all learn what the other one is truly thinking and feeling. 
And a lot of husbands, if they were suddenly at home, and, and in the case, I've been, my husband and I have been retired almost 10 years now. So I think, you know, we were just above the baby boomers. Not every single woman was out working um, at that time. Today, I think there are many more uh, couples where both, both partners are working. But the relationship is still the same in the sense that the woman is typically the, the caregiver in the home. Uh, the one who sets up the decorations, the styles, plans the meals and all that stuff. And then suddenly the husband is there and out of boredom is checking on what she's doing all the time. And so that uh, that's probably a crucial revelation for couples. That, you know, why is this happening and what do they do about it? That's when the compromise is so important. So basically the husband is sort of butting in and telling, you know, Oh, you missed that spot when you vacuumed, that kind of thing. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're trying to be helpful, right? And yes. you just find and it, we find it annoying. It's like, here, yes. take yes. the vacuum, you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that, like I found, like in that sort of thing, they're trying to be helpful and they don't know what's happening. I was still working when, um, when Art first retired. And I had an office off the corner in the house, and uh, it didn't have a door. But, you know, it was just a little secluded anyway. So anyway, he would come in and start asking a question or saying something or whatever. And, of course, I would always say, I was just writing a Pulitzer Prize moment, and you destroyed it. <laughs> and And he couldn't understand why I would get angry. And I couldn't understand why he didn't know that I was busy. Yeah, and so they're the kinds of, that for me is, was the classic example of that butting in, in the sense that you need to be sensitive to my feelings. Well, I needed to be sensitive to his, too. Neither of us were at the moment. Fortunately, we were able to turn that around. How did you do it? Like, what? how did he figure out that when you were writing, he couldn't really disturb you? And how did you figure out how to not hurt his feelings, you know, by saying, get out of here. <laughs> like, what did you do? I actually, our grandchildren solved it. I said there wasn't a door, but there was a pantry that, you know, was in the hallway that led to the, to this office. And they loved when they visited to come and use my computer. And one time they made this sign that says, do not enter under fear of death or whatever it said, you know, the kids will write. And I said, add my name to that. And so now then it became my responsibility. If I was working, I pulled that pantry door open, and he knew that, that I was busy. So if I didn't pull it, I couldn't blame him because I didn't give him the signal. And so that became our easy, sometimes I would forget, but then I knew I couldn't blame him. And so it was just a simple solution like that. You know, you always got to rely on kids to help you find the answers, I think. <laughs> so basically the sign that they would have put on their treehouse is kind of what you yes, did. Yes, exactly. Stay out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Keep out. <laughs> so, I mean, so basically it was the kids that did this. Well, they gave me, they gave me the tip, you know. Right. Um, the yeah. Idea. Yeah. yeah, I have this yeah. little, um, I don't know, it's a door hanger that I got from a from a conference that says podcast in session, be quiet, but, uh -huh. but I don't really podcast in a room with a door, but you know, my husband knows when I'm podcasting cause it's in my calendar. I, I 
usually do five podcasts on a day that I, that I record. Yes. Uh-huh. And so it's an all day kind of thing. But, but yes, I, I completely get it. You know, it's funny because my husband and I, we're in the same room when we're both working. Now he's retired, but he sits on a lot of different boards and he, uh-huh. you know, he does different things. Whereas I'm still working uh-huh. and uh-huh. it used to be that we would both sit and, you know, work on our computers and our, our desks face each other, but we can't really see each other because the monitors are in the way okay. and we wouldn't really talk. We would just email each other, you know, or <laughs> text or whatever. But more uh-huh. recently he's been talking to me. And so I'm like, I love it when he talks to me, but usually it's like you, I'm like right in the middle of a thought and then I have to go back and remember what I was trying to do. So yes. I yeah. totally, yeah. totally get that. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, my husband got it once when I finally explained it, but I was in the beginning, I was too frustrated, I guess, to take the time to explain it. So that it's just, it's so important to be sensitive to one another's needs and not get hung up on, oh, I'm now doomed to a life of hardship because this person is in my, in my space all the time. Right, right. So you had said earlier that there were five things that we need to talk about, you know, five things that we need to know when we retire or five common circumstances. So right after we take a break, we're going to come back and talk about those five things. This show is what's known as an indie podcast, which is short for independent podcast. What that means is that we don't have a lot of money to promote this show like some of the bigger shows. So we rely on you the listener, to tell your friends and family about it. So if you want to help us grow and get the word out that retirement isn't just about money, share the show, tell a friend, share our episodes on social media, or tell your financial advisor about it. They need to know too. Help us get the word out. It would mean the world to me. Welcome back. This is Kathy and Nora Hall, and we just come back from the break to talk about the five things, the five common circumstances that happen when a couple or actually when one of them retires. So Nora, welcome back. Thank you. What I've done in the book is to list five categories of retired husbands. And the first one is the bossy husband. That happens often when husband is in a managerial position. And even if it's only one person that reports to them, they're used to being the boss. And then they come home, and it's natural for them to expect to be the boss. And the wife at home thought she was her own boss. Exactly. (laughs) So that's one of the problems. Another category is the always there husband. We talked about that a little bit before. Um, and the reason for that is his days had been spent in a workplace, and suddenly he's around the house all the time. And typically, and everything I say is is commonly or typically, it's not across the board, obviously, but men's associations 
when they're working, tend to be more through their work. So when they leave their place of retirement, they often leave, leave behind the reasons for association with their peers and stuff and don't typically have as many outside friends to go to lunch with or to do things with during the day. So they tend to rely more on their wives' social contacts. The third one is the dependent husband. That's one that isn't just kind of always there, but really doesn't know how to fill his time throughout the day and becomes dependent on the wife being a social worker. One of the women I spoke with finally said um, she was working still full-time, and he wanted, no, she was working part-time, four days a week, and on Fridays, she had always used that time to get chores done and things that, you know, that she wanted to do, and suddenly he wanted to do every Friday to go off on some trip or adventure or something, and he expected her to plan it, so that was really being dependent, and finally, she said to him, I'll go with you on Friday, but, and she made certain stipulations, he had to help somewhat with some of the tasks she usually got done those days, and he had to do the research. It was the best thing that ever happened to him because he suddenly developed a whole new interest in the, the literature and culture of the area they had lived in that he had just always taken for granted and got involved in um, cultural uh, organizations and government you know, events and stuff. So it was really good for him. It seems yeah. like it also gave him purpose. You know, exactly. It's like, okay, I I want to do this, so I'm going to have to be the one doing the research. I, I think right. that's great. I list having a purpose in retirement is one of the most important things that you need in order to stay healthy as we get older. If you don't have a purpose, your whole life can just kind of develop into nothing. So, you know, it was, she really did him a favor by refusing to do all the research. Actually. And herself, too. Yeah. She was busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and most women can identify with that because we do tend to take on more activities, social, housebound, and community. I don't know about community. I think there are a lot of men that are involved in their community. But it just seems that women have more diverse activities than, than the majority of men. And then we all talked about the angry husband. And then the other one is it doesn't ever listen husband. And that drives women crazy. <laughs> you know, before you're finished a sentence, they're questioning you and, and checking you. I think we've all experienced that at some point. And um, that, that can be a real bone of contention for many couples. So when, as a couple, if we realize that these kinds of things are commonplace. They're not intended to be nasty or to be difficult. It's just the way men and women are wired, I think, that causes a lot of it. And then start dealing with it. It can lead to some very interesting and fun discussions and discoveries. So what do you do when you have the bossy husband? You know, if you've been in charge of your home and the husband starts wanting to change everything. What I mean, how do you sit down and, like, what do you do about that? Well, people that I've spoken with, um, Art wasn't that. So I'm not speaking from personal experience of this, although he had a lot of ideas and stuff. Um, they would sit down and have that discussion when they finally got to a point where they could do that, 
and that took some doing for a couple of the uh, couples I spoke with. But when they sat down, they agreed that when he wanted to change something, he had to have a reason. Why was this better? And if he had it and it was better, let him go for it. If he couldn't do that, then um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, was kind of the attitude that one couple took, which I thought was great because it, it gave them a sense of laughter about it, um, and it took away the onus of his trying to tell her how to do it. Right. So basically all of these problems, can they all be handled by talking, or are there some specific things that people need to do? That's a little difficult to answer in the sense of because each personality is different. More than saying can it be um, resolved by talking, I think it can be resolved if you're willing to talk. And that's a big difference. That's a sense of making a commitment, first of all, to one another, that you care enough about the other person to listen, and you're willing to do compromise. Just talking... There's talking to and talking at someone, and if you say we're just going to talk about it, uh, you run the risk, I think, of talking at one another rather than having a conversation and really truly listening to one another. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. Now, I know you do workshops um, where mm-hmm. you are, and of course, I have an international audience, so not everybody can attend. Are your workshops live? Or oh, they- I'm willing to go anywhere. Oh, you go anywhere. Okay. Um, we just came back we just came back from Alaska this spring. Um and I live on the East Coast. So that was a pretty good trek. I um Ireland's probably closer. Oh wow. <laughs> wow, that's great. So in your workshops, what do you are these workshops for couples or for women? How how does that work? I really like to do the ones with the couples most of all because they First of all, when the couple comes, they've made a commitment to one another. And in that case, I mean, I I can deal with just adjusting to retirement, but my real love is helping couples identify how they're going to make their coupled life together. So I prefer it when the couples can't come. Sometimes one of them can't come for the whole day or for, you know, a part of it or whatever, but they've made a commitment to one another to do it. And a lot of the program is based on opportunities to discuss a particular topic. We'll explore a particular topic, and then they'll break into groups to discuss further what that meant to them and how they can use that information to um, create a happier life. Hmm. Is it usually the woman that is the one... That, that sort of has the problem with the man sort of butting in or is it, does it go both ways? I mean, is it because it's usually the woman's, the, the home is really her castle, not his. Uh-huh. Do you think yeah. that's why we, we have these issues? Uh, yeah, I do. And I think, and we are more territorial. If you, all studies have shown that it, it is the woman who is more, and, and again, you know, it might only be 70% of the population, but there's a larger percent of the population of women who are more territorial about their homes than the men are. So, yeah, I think that that's part of the reason that women feel that their space has been invaded more than men do. 
That's great. You know, I'm glad that you sort of broke it down to the five types of husbands. That way we, we kind of have an idea of, you know, we might even know before our husband retires sort of how he'll be just by his personality, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the always there and the, depend- the dependents sort of seem to be similar, except for what you said, where they, they really can't, they want you to do something, but they want you to do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. to handle yeah. it. And, 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 you know, I think that's a lot of that is born out of the, I don't think it's as much, I don't think if a, if a 40 year old were listening to this today, they might not say it because I think their lives as couples are very different than, than my husband's and mine and, you know, my peers were. Because although most of, most women worked later on, they stayed at home with the young children. And today, that's not always the case, you know. So there's a little bit of a different proprietary relationship, I think. But I can't speak to that. I haven't studied that. But for, I would say women, couples, 55 and over, which is the retired couple age that we're kind of really talking about. Women have more of a proprietary approach to their homes than men do. Mm. Would you say that on a percentage basis, which tends to be the highest percentage of, you know, like, is it, is it usually the always there husband or is it usually the angry husband? Like, did you get a feel for what it is, you know, a, a larger percentage? I think the always there husband is a given because uh, whether they, even if they have a hundred different activities that they're doing, their routine has changed when they have left the workplace. And so now instead of leaving the house at seven o'clock to commute, you know, X number of miles and stuff, they might have an event that they want to participate in, but it might not begin till nine o'clock. So he's not really always there, but he's there more than um, his mate is used to. So that that can kind of, one example that I had was the husband was pretty active, but the wife was used to getting up and getting the bed made and getting everything, you know, straightened out right away. And he still, he wanted to sleep another 45 minutes or something. And so that changed her whole routine. So it could begin to feel like he was always there. So I think that's much more of a given. The angry husband, that I didn't run into that that much, but I ran into it enough that I wanted to discuss it. I heard of it enough. And I don't know whether that was because that's kind of people don't want to talk about that or whether I just happened to meet people that, you know, were balanced enough not to get really angry about the... Um, the retirement. Do you think the men were angry because they were forced to retire and they didn't feel ready? Those that I had conversations with, I would say 90% of them were forced to retire. And that's understandable, that anger. How you know, did they, how did the wives help their husbands? Like, how did they survive that as a couple? I, that was, that was a difficult one to get discussion about because people were a little bit reticent to discuss it. But I think, again, it's that's a case of where, in, if it's a situation like that, the wife has to be much more compassionate than she might be because he's telling her how to vacuum. Because it's a much more serious situation, and it's real. 
you know, I mean, that's very painful if someone has been working well and doing a good job and then suddenly a company closes, a company downsizes, or there's some age discrimination. And so it depends on the situation and and I think that the couple's relationship as well as his relationship to the work environment. But I, compassion is probably one of the biggest, and understanding is one of the biggest things that a wife has to offer at that point. And sometimes it's not the culture for us to be compassionate and understanding, you know, True. in today's world. So mm-hmm. I, I am so glad that you wrote this book and that you have the blog. Where can people find your book? Uh, the book is on Amazon. It's on, on ebook and sma- on Smashwords. It's in libraries. And they can send me an email and I can send it to them. Okay, great. Perfect. Do you have any words of wisdom, like one tip that we can start implementing today that will help our retired or soon-to-be-retired lives? I think when I started being grateful for something new every day, I became a more compassionate and understanding wife and was better able, first of all, started really appreciating this wonderful husband that I knew I had but forgot sometimes. And that gratefulness just kind of changes our whole attitude of of life. And it's not hard to do. Make a commitment in the morning to figure out one thing you're grateful for. And I think life becomes brighter with that. And if you laugh together, life is just better. That's excellent advice. Thank you so much, Nora, for coming on the show. And we'll have links to your book and your blog on the show notes for the listener. We'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. 
Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.